out to whisper when you've always been a covenant man. But who did you used to be? You're out here flying the flag. But lost track of what it really means when you've always been a covenant man. Got the ground coming up from underneath. That covenant man shot walking on your own to Hello and welcome to section 138, uh, another episode after a few weeks off. Uh, now that 2019 has rolled around, I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year and hopefully we'll be getting back to a normal schedule. Uh, but there is more stuff to talk about this episode. The Blue Jays have finally done something in the offseason and there's a lot of fun stuff to discuss. Uh, so I am joined by Everything Blue Jays. Per the usual, um, Blue Jays Nation could got, not get here uh, today, but uh, we'll have a good conversation with everything Blue Jays anyways. So recently, uh, there's been a lot of talk uh, in Blue Jays world about Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, of course, he was released by the Blue Jays uh, about three weeks ago, and then just earlier today, or actually late last night, the Yankees uh, signed, or at least came into agreement with Tulowitzki uh, for a major league minimum deal, uh, and uh, so we'll discuss that. We'll also discuss recent rotation additions by the Blue Jays. They picked up two um, pretty unexciting names, but names nonetheless. Uh, so we'll discuss that, and then finally we'll discuss the Marcus Stroman trade possibility and some recent news about that and uh, ha- how it breaks down uh, in actuality. So starting off with Troy Tulowitzki, as I mentioned, uh, the Yankees are in agreement with him for a major league deal. The Yankees expect him to uh, serve in the role of basically uh, a stopgap for the Yankees right now because D.D. Gregorius is currently injured. He uh, underwent Tommy John surgery in October, so he'll be out for a good amount of the 2019 season. So the Yankees are looking for Tulowitzki to fill that gap. Um, Although the Yankees are not out of the Manny Machado sweepstakes, they're still involved in that. Uh, It's just Tulowitzki is there as an extra backup, and as Jeff Passan reported, now ESPN, Jeff Passen, uh, he said that the Yankees really just couldn't pass up a deal that good for Tulowitzki because um, really he's coming at a cost of $555,000 a year compared to the whatever the $20 million the Blue Jays are spending on him. Um, so yeah, that that pretty much wraps up the recent news um, with Tulowitzki. Um, but I guess the question I have for you is: Do you think he'll be able to stay healthy? With the Yankees, because you know we've seen at least on turf with the Blue Jays, uh, he has been horribly unhealthy, and he, uh, you know, even dating back to his time with the Rockies, he could not stay healthy for very long. So, do you think he'll be able to reverse that trend uh, with the Yankees, or do you think it's just going to be more of the same? Well, you know, I'm trying to think here. Troy Tulowitzki, right? It's pretty. Going back to when he first came to Toronto, when everyone was actually um, bringing up the turf situation and how it would become worse for him. And then you also mentioned a good point. Years before that, when he was in Colorado, he did battle uh, a bunch of injuries. So going, he's now moving to Yankee Stadium after, what, a, over a year off, recovering from bone spurs, um, fractured, or sorry, sprained ankles. And he's back to regular, he's back to regular grass in Yankee Stadium, so obviously one of the best ballparks, arguably in baseball, but I don't see anything changing, to be honest with you. I just see the same Troy Tulowitzki who's coming off 
over a year absence and pretty much we don't know what we're going to get out of him or nobody knows. He might not even make the team out of spring training depending on what happens with Manny Machado and his performance as well in the spring. And even if he does make the team, you know, he'll be uh, extremely um, caught. He'll be extremely watched, I should say, you know, training, uh, lots of days off. But I see the same in Troy Tulowitzki, you know, uh, everyone seemed to try and move on from the fact that he was an injury-prone player. But, you know, during his time with the Blue Jays, he'd have stints, multiple stints each year on the DL. And it would last probably, you know, closer to a month, like on average. And going back to regular grass, you know, maybe it gets a little better for him than it was in Toronto, but and maybe it gets a little better than it was in Colorado. It's just injuries are so unpredictable of what you're going to get unless you have a his- history of injuries like Tulowitzki. So uh, maybe, you know, a few um, minor injuries here and there. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, you, you hope he doesn't go through any major injuries, but it's you can't rule the possibility out after... Uh, his history, like you said, even in Colorado before he was with the Blue Jays. Yeah, you certainly cannot rule any possibility out. Um, But I think what you said there was good. It's just very unpredictable. We can't really, uh, as much as we want to and as much as we are currently right now, you can't really just sit here and say, yep, he's going to get injured next year. Yep, he's going to be perfectly fine uh, because he's not playing on turf anymore. Um, It's not that simple. Uh, But I would... I don't know if it's just an age factor, but in his time with the Rockies, you know, he spent uh, 10 season with the Rockies, um, and he was actually pretty healthy for a lot of them. Um, after his first season, where he only played in 25 games because, you know, he was being called up and sent back down, after that, he played in uh, 155 games, 101 games, so injury shortened there, 151 games, 122 games, again, injury shortened, 143 games, and then 47 games, so injury shortened, but then 126 and 91. So out of the 10 seasons that he played with the Rockies, um, he really only had two seasons where he played uh, less than 100 games, so he was injured significantly for a significant part of the season. Um, But then once he came to the Blue Jays, uh, you know, he played 41 games with the Blue Jays in 2015, but then 2016 he had a good season, played in 131 games. Then 2017 he played in 66 games. So um, if you look at the fact that with the Rockies, he only had three injured, badly injured seasons, really, um, I, I think he could get back to healthy in 2019. I mean, as early as 2016, uh, he was a healthy player. He played in 131 games. It's just in 2017 and 2018, he didn't play at all. So I think it's definitely a possibility. It's not like he is totally now, he can never play again. He's totally injured. He'll never recover. Like, he can. I, th- I think he has the ability to, and it's there's a good chance that he will. I'm, I just like you said, it's totally unpredictable. I don't think we can say affirmatively either way, like he, he will be healthy or he won't be healthy. Um, but I mean, I'll just say for myself, I think that next season he will not play in over a hundred games, but only because he is competing for time with Didi Gregorius and maybe even Manny Machado if the Yankees sign Manny Machado. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Tulowitzki will 
be healthy for 2019. He won't face any major injuries. He may get injured here and there, you know, uh, but he won't face any major injuries. What do you think he'll reach that milestone or no? You know, um, again, which with Tulowitzki, right? Um, you brought up good points actually with the amount of games he's played in Colorado. And the only thing that obviously people hesitate about is that, you know, this is the first time in his career that he's missed over a year of action. So, you know, it's, you know, it all depends, right? His first day back, um, when they reported in Florida, how he reacts to the drills, even though he's probably done some light workouts here and there. Uh, and when he first gets into some game action too in the spring, it'll definitely have a, a little, a little impact or, you know, give you a little idea where he's at entering the year. And other than the stats, obviously, you know, just the way he looks, uh, runs, you know, feels like a, uh, Yankees fans will definitely notice. So they'll get a good idea about it. And yeah, you said he's, he does have history of injuries, but he also has history of playing in full seasons. And, uh, prior to 2017, like you said, in 2016, right? He played in a lot more games than people uh, imagine, probably, with 131, right? Uh, he had a couple DL stints that year, I remember. And if it's been the same thing um, for the past couple years with him. He's, you know, gotten a lot more rest days. But, you know, he does have the chance to. I'm not going to rule it out, like you said, about a major injury like uh, 2018, or sorry, 2017, when he um, sprained his ankle and then he had setbacks in the winter, that's, I guess you can mark that down as another major injury that cost him a, a year of his career. So I'm sure anybody won't, I'm sure he's pretty much the biggest guy who wants to get back on that field because he says day in and day out how much obviously he loves the game. And it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, how long he does last too with the Yankees. Like you said, he could com- be competing with Didi Gregorius once he recovers from Tommy John surgery. Uh, no timetable for that, although he will miss the start of the year. And you know, the Yankees are one of the favorites to sign Manny Machado, and that news can be coming or be, uh, yeah, be coming within the next couple weeks. So we'll definitely have a better idea where he's at now. But, you know, currently he is uh, penciled in as their starting shortstop. So I guess the Yankees can't afford for him at this point before Manny Machado uh, signing possibly for him to go down. So um, once the spring begins, how he reacts again to early workouts and when he starts to get in games, uh, he does have the chance to do it. And I'm probably going to agree with you on this one. I do believe, you know, after a year off, other than his ankles and feet, you know, he probably got some rest too in other areas of the body that he's been um, nagging injuries that he's been dealing with for the past couple of seasons. So I'm going to agree with you on this one. Okay. Uh, well, we'll check back in, uh, I guess, a few months uh, or, or a year and see what see how our predictions turn out. Um, but you, you did make a good point there. He has never gone in his career a year without playing baseball, dating back to 2005 with the Rockies, which was his first year of professional baseball. He spent it all in high A with the Rockies. He played 22 games, uh, 105 plate appearances, 266 batting average. Um, he, from that point forward, 2018 is the first season where he has not played in a single game, not minor league, not major league. Obviously, he I assume he played in simulation games, but he didn't play in a single professional game, which uh, is kind of striking. But it, 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 on the face of it, it seems like a bad thing. But as you mentioned, it could be a positive. He could have gotten that chance to you know rehab and get rest for those areas of his body that needed it, that he's struggled with with injuries in the past. It could be a positive. And um, even though he is now playing for the Yankees I do wish him all the best in the future because you know 
he was once Blue Jay. He spent four years here, uh, and he seems like an awesome guy. So I just I hope he uh, does does well in the future. Uh, so moving onward with that, uh, again, we'll uh, hopefully our predictions will uh, turn out to be right. Let's uh, move on to discussion of uh, Blue Jay rotation additions. Um, recently and recently within the past week, the Blue Jays have added two new names to the mix in the rotation, uh, Matt Schumacher, or Shoemaker, I guess, um, and uh, Clayton Richard, Clayton Richard via trade with the Padres, uh, and Matt Shoemaker uh, was acquired as a free agent. Uh, so the Blue Jays, we've known for a while that the Blue Jays need to work on their starting rotation. Uh, and th- during uh, the winter meetings, they seemed pretty uh, uh, honed in on getting a starter and a starter being via trade because they said they prefer uh, a trade. Um, but now we have two starters, one by free agency, one by trade, uh, and neither of them are big names. I've seen a lot of people at least talking to me on my Instagram. I don't know about you, but they're very disappointed in this. They think it's uh, a bad way to spend money or to spend prospects uh I disagree with that. I'll elaborate on that later. But do you overall, do you think that the Blue Jays should have gotten Clayton Richard and Matt Shoemaker? Or do you think they should have spent those resources somewhere else? Well, with the current state of the Blue Jays, obviously, they are not, they're no longer competitive. And um, it's been said too by uh, Ross Atkinson, Mark Shapiro, that they are looking towards the future to contend. And the one thing that some fans don't understand is this is these are the deals that are made um if you if you know that teams are going through change and going through a rebuild and you know you have to fill it with somebody you can't fill it you can't just throw prospects in there you know you can't uh rushing prospects in baseball could even harm their career and you know people with Matt Shoemaker it's a pretty good bargain for himself you know a pitcher who's pretty much dealt with injuries his whole career and if he, you know, if he pitches well, he could be used as a possible trade trade piece at the deadline, right? Um, veterans like that that are signed to one year deals, and Clayton Richard too. Um, looking at his stats from last year, he struggled as well. He had a ERA of five thirty three, and he is under contract until, or he's signed until twenty twenty. So this is another contract year for him too. So these are two guys that are pitching for themselves as well for their future. And, you know, you can't, when you're a rebuilding team like the Blue Jays, you can't expect them to go out and sign, you know, top aces off the market. You know, it's just, uh, it's a, it's the way it is in baseball, right? Um, fans need to understand that sometimes, you know, they might not overly uh, agree with it, but, you know, they got to spend some of their money somewhere and they got to fill the rotation and they're losing uh, a couple pitchers already that are off the are uh, on the market that are not won't likely won't be back you know such as like Marco Estrada so there's a hole in the rotation from one name there and adding these two guys could solidify the rotation entering the year uh, barring any injuries in spring training or not but these are two guys that um, you know you expect these moves for a rebuilding team and um, I'm not overly disappointed with it you know you're disappointed with uh, the way that the season went last year and how it ended and you know uh, rebuilds totally, they suck for a fan base. So you're not going to, no one's going to lie that or sugarcoat that. So, um, with the current state of the Blue Jays, again, this is, this is what you expect. So I'm not overly, um, concerned or, or upset or I, it's not like I didn't expect this. Um, it's, these were all expected moves, uh, in my opinion. 
Yeah, it's all expected. Uh, you know, it's not breaking news in any way. It's just something that the Blue Jays need to do, and you need to understand the position that the Blue Jays are in right now, um, given that they are a rebuilding team. They don't have the assets to win next year. They don't have the assets maybe even to win in 2020. So right now they're looking for pitchers to bridge the gap and help them tie them over from this year, help them get competitive for um, 2020. So uh, I guess I the three the main argument that I've seen from people um, – related to Matt Schumacher is not the $3 million. They don't disagree with the $3 million being spent. They disagree with the roster spot being allocated to a pitcher that, um, you know, really doesn't have a future. You, you know, he's 31 right now. He'll be 32 next season when he's with the Blue Jays, and he doesn't really have a place with the Blue Jays in the future. Uh, not saying he doesn't have a future at the major league level, and he still could, you know, be with the Blue Jays in three years, competed for a World Series, you know, fingers crossed, um, but he's taking the spot from a young player who could be developed. This is uh, one Instagram user. They sent to me, uh, quote, we need a young rotation and we are going to suck, so why are we they doing this? He's taking the spot of a young guy. Uh, another guy said just, he's terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, another person on the other side of the aisle said, good signing, nothing but upside. If he does well, great trade trip chip at the deadline and that's pretty much what I think it's he's not meant to make the Blue Jays competitive he's meant so that they don't have an empty hole in the rotation same with Clayton Richard you know that guy's 35 he um he actually has been pretty injury injury free in his career um but these guys aren't meant to make the Blue Jays competitive they're meant to um, bridge the gap in a non-competitive year. So um, it's, I don't think, I think the expectation for what the Blue Jays need to be doing is everything. Um, the Blue Jays are not going to go out and sign an ace, sign a number one starter. They're going to be signing third or fourth starters and have you know, homegrown talent of, you know, Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Stroman at the front of the rotation. So, um, you know, expectations is everything here. I do understand at least a little bit the the argument of some people that the Blue Jays shouldn't have traded uh, prospect for uh, a guy like Clayton Richard. They traded uh, Connor Panis, uh, a outfielder with the Blue Jays, uh, homegrown talent. He's from Toronto. Uh, he, I, I do understand that a little bit because he's talent that could be used by the Blue Jays and it, it may come back to bite the Blue Jays um, because he, he is good talent that they've traded, but I, I really don't think it's that much of a problem. You know, he's a guy who's hitting 230 in AA at age 25. Um, I'm sure he's a very talented player, and uh, I interviewed him once for an article, and he's a fantastic guy. He was awesome and very uh, polite and, uh, and kind, but it's he's a prospect. He You have to evaluate everything analytically, and he probably isn't going to do much on the major league level, to be honest. Um, so I understand both sides of the argument, but I think that the Blue Jays, you know, they're doing what they have to do to build a competitive team in 2020, which is ultimately the goal for the, the front office right now. Um, talking about being competitive in 2020, another uh, piece of the puzzle here, another piece of the equation is Marcus Stroman. And this conversation will probably go down the rabbit hole uh, because 
it is uh, immensely complicated, and I'm sure we both have our own opinions about this, um, but the Blue Jays were reported to be in, in trade talks with the Padres uh, about Marcus Stroman, and uh, John Morosi, who reported this, said they were serious talks. So it's not just uh, you know, surface talks, exploring, leaving every door open. It was serious talks. Um, but then you just reported uh, that the Blue Jays were not uh, serious about training him. They're probably going to hold on to him into 2019. Um, can, can you elaborate on that news a little bit? Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, a report came out today that Marcus Stroman, uh, you know, the more and more we get closer to uh, pitchers and catchers report the likelihood of him being traded is uh, starting to decrease and and it's not really surprising to uh, the past couple weeks ever since pretty much the winter meetings it talks about him have calmed down a little bit they've uh, gone a little more quieter and of course it all started with uh, you know Ross Atkins at the uh, the winter meeting saying if they would consider trading Stroman and or Sanchez if the price was right so that pretty much fueled everything and you know we know we know who Marcus Stroman is. He's a very emotional uh, guy. He's very passionate. You know, it goes back probably with issues with the front office. Uh, you do, he doesn't seem like he's big. Fa- uh, you know, the biggest fan of the front office. You know, it starts last year at arbitration. Uh, following arbitration, uh, we remember Stroman pretty much lashing out about the comments they made and saying how this would add fuel to the fire. And you know, a lot of people, maybe some fans too, can even get you know a little. Uh, upset with Stroman because a lot of people just want him to focus on playing baseball rather than, uh, you know, tweeting so much or being so passionate about the game. And Stroman too, he's another one who had a disappointing year last year. So, um, you know, the Blue Jays were unhappy with some of the packages they were being offered uh, by the teams that were interested. And those only teams that we know of that have been reported are the Reds and Padres, but the Padres seem to be uh, more interested than the Reds. And with the Blue Jays, you know, they're not being as happy with the offers they got, which could have included packages or just, uh, or others, you know, other, um, other things. They decided to hold on to him. And again, this could, we could, the Jays could easily revisit this next off season. You know, they're not going to be competitive this year. So, uh, you know, you know, even if Stroman pitches well this year, you know, he had a bunch of injuries in 2018, spent, uh, more than once to another disabled list. So if he pitches, if he has a bounce back year, like we saw, from him in 2017, I believe, uh, you know, maybe they get a better offer and they consider pulling the trigger. Uh, the same thing goes for Aaron Sanchez, whose, you know, name hasn't really come up as much as Stroman, but is another player who could be dealt if the price was right, supposedly, who's for two years straight, or a couple years now, he's had finger issues with his uh, nail, with, you know, throwing his curveball, etc. So, the likelihood of, again, Stroman not being traded as of now seems to be very quiet, or sorry, very low. And, you know, maybe the best thing for them now, you know, as we're in the new year now, is just to hold on to them and see what they got get out of them in 2019. And I'm sure this could always be revisited. You can't, obviously, you can't shut the door for good on a possible trade. Uh, but, you know, the thing for Stroman, too, is he's expressed his interest in playing for Toronto, his posts, and, you know, him... Uh, retweeting all of the rumors about him on Twitter, saying, you know, uh, Toronto's the only place I want to be. And, you know, so he seems to be into playing with Toronto. He hasn't, he's has his opinions on this, but uh, the likelihood of him being traded now is pretty low. But again, I guess anything can happen. Yeah. Um, you 
mentioned those tweets and uh i i found some of them and i just want to read them off um just because i find it entertaining i don't know if these tweets or his um public views on the front office and what they've been doing will play into what happens to him uh if the blue jays you know they if they think he's a problem in not just clubhouse but um publicly then i don't know if that'll play into what they do uh, in terms of trading him but anyways here are some of the tweets so this is right after um that that john morosi report that the padres and blue jays were in talks in serious talks for a trade um he, he tweeted kind of a shocked slash disgusted emoji, and then he said, uh, rumors are waste. Roger Center is my second home. Canadian cultured fam. And then he said, um, uh, uh, the hate is becoming invisible. Wishing y'all nothing but the best energy. And then he retweeted, as you said, a bunch of tweets. Uh, one of them was said, uh, even if you get traded, Marcus, I will still be a fan for whatever team gets you because my son and I love the way you play. Um, another one was, I'm serious. The Jays can't trade Marcus Stroman. Nobody represents Canada like him. His love for Toronto is so genuine. Um, uh, another, if Stroman gets traded, he'll still be my favorite player, no matter where he goes. The guy has said many times he loves Toronto. Um, so basically he did not shy away from airing his views, um, on Instagram or rather Twitter. Um, and I find it entertaining. I also find it kind of, um, just generally not good for his image and for the Blue Jays image, um, to have players fighting against the team in the front office is never a good thing. Um, and then he also retweeted a video um, by a Sportsnet anchor um, uh, about him staying in Toronto. Um, so, yeah, I don't – to to clear this up, I don't know what impact it will have on his um, – him being traded by the Blue Jays. Of course, it can't be a good impact, but I don't know if it will have any impact. Um, but uh, – I don't like these tweets. I don't think it's good that he uh, tweets this. Um, you know, his whole in, uh, Twitter personality, I'm fine with that. Uh, I get how it can get on some people's nerves, but it is him. That's who he is. That's how he is expressed on Twitter. And, like, really, who cares if he's not, like, insulting the team or insulting other players or causing problems? Um, but this is a case where I think it causes problems and makes things more difficult for the Blue Jays. It makes life difficult for the Blue Jays, um, for their relationship with Stroman, for Stroman, for Stroman's place in the clubhouse. Um, and I don't question his dedication to the Blue Jays and dedication to playing well. Um, but I, I think in this case, his tweets are problematic and they, he, he shouldn't have said those things. Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you here. If if I you know if I was if I were Marcus Stroman personally, if I you know if these rumors began, I probably would say all but nothing about it anywhere. But like you said, he's you know Marcus is a different breed when it comes to uh, you know him his pat you know him being passionate about his play, and you know him uh, calling out all these rumors about possible trades. So yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, the more and more, you know, obviously the front office sees all of his tweets. Everyone can see any of his tweets. So it's not like he's hiding it. And you just it makes you wonder, you know, what, what the front office continues to think when the more and more they see this and, you know, probably gets them a little more, um, you know, maybe pissed off than uh, it has before. Um, again, Stroman tends to bug a lot of people 
And there's a lot of people who love him, and there's a lot of people who think he should just stick to playing baseball and worry about worrying about you know bouncing back himself. But you know, the key people who see these tweets are obviously the front office, and whatever Stroman says about wanting to be traded or not be traded, uh, it clearly has no impact on the front office. If they, you know, in their plans, if they want to trade Stroman, then whatever Stroman says, it clearly does. It won't matter because uh, a deal is going to, you know, a deal could be made. And, you know, the other thing, too, is a lot of other teams probably look at this and say, you know, do we really want to add, you know, this personality to our organization? It's not a bad personality, but it's not like he's, you know, somebody who's, you know, a bad clubhouse guy or something like that. But he's just... You know, he's very vocal about uh, anything. I'm sure it goes to life as well. But obviously on social media, what we see is more of him as a base, a professional baseball player. So, uh, again, the tweets, you are you are right. He probably shouldn't, you know, it's probably best for him if he doesn't do that. And again, the, the front office too, you just wonder what they think the more and more they see these types of tweets. And especially when, you know, these trade rumors started to begin and him retweeting, you know, all uh, you know these reports and people wanting him to stay. So I can't imagine, you know, how you know upset or frustrated the front office would get, or maybe you know maybe they don't care as much. But you know, if if I were a general manager and I saw you know a player on my team doing that, I probably wouldn't like that either. So again, it all depends on what the front office actually thinks. Obviously, we'll never find out, but that's pretty much the biggest part in this as well. Yeah, if I had to guess, you know, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro's opinion on this, I would say they're pretty, uh, I don't know, I'd say they're unhappy about it, Uh, not to the extent where like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy, it's not like he was suspended for yelling something on the field or something, but it's, I would be unhappy, I wouldn't want this to happen, but like you said, there are so many other players who, when there are trade discussions around them, they don't say anything. They they just, you know, they keep quiet. They act like it's not happening. And, you know, if they're asked questions by reporters, sure, they say something on it, but they don't say it in a way like he said that uh, it kind of creates a sense of animosity between the player and the front office. And that's where I think it's problematic. But um, do, do I think it's enough of a problem that it'll um, make an issue in a trade? No, I I really don't. I think that if a team is um, using his tweets and his attitude towards teams to say that they won't trade for this guy, I think at that point, even without the tweets, they wouldn't be trading for him. It's just a, a, another reason against him. But I think if a team is does want him, they're going to acquire him no matter what. They won't. They, yes, they may consider his tweets, but I don't think it'll have a, a, a binary impact on whether they acquire him or not. So it's certainly not a positive thing, but it it's not a gigantic problem when it comes to uh, trading and acquisitions in the in the free agent market. Um, but uh, I guess getting, <laughs> again, down the rabbit hole, getting back on, um, on topic and on target um, uh, as far as him being traded, I guess uh, now we can shift gears to what his performance will be in 2019 because, you know, he had two straight 2000, uh, 2,200 inning uh, years in 2016 and 2017, uh, and then he was injured in 2018. Uh, He only pitched 102 innings. He had that blister issue, if I remember correctly. I got all of his injuries confused. Um, But 
I guess, do you expect him to be healthy for the entire season? I don't know if after those two 200-inning seasons, the Blue Jays want to take a step back with his performance and with his uh, output on the field. Um or if he even gets traded to another team, whether that team will want to, you know, take a step back with his output on the field. Um, where do you stand on that? Yeah, you know, you made a good point as well with other teams uh, being, you know, questioning his health. Um, Stroman had a, again, you know, he had a great, he had a good 2017. Um, he had yeah, 309 ERA and, you know, everyone was all jacked up entering the year. You know, he was going to be the opening day starter. And then uh, shoulder inflammation kicked in within spring training workouts, and he pretty much had to be uh, shut down for the remainder of the spring, and then he had to work his way back up. And, you know, that that right there pretty much got him off to a slow start. Um, if we can remember, Stroman, like, had, I think he had an ERA, like, well above seven after the first month of the year, and they finally decided to give him some rest, put him on the disabled list. And then when he came back, he showed, you know, he showed promise of, um, you know, becoming the pitcher in 2017, he was. And then the the fingernail issue came um, with him and his, I think it was his curveballs. He was getting hot spots and he, and then eventually blisters um, formed. He had to go on the DL again. So, you know, the, Stroman, as he started, he's ever since 2015, I guess, or 2015 is when he um, uh, bl- blew his knee out in the spring. But in 2016, when he pitched, he had a, he didn't pitch all that well, you know, a 4.37 ERA, and then that, and then the next year he had the 3.09 ERA, and 2018 he had the 5.54 ERA. So uh, definitely in 2019, again, anything can happen. Uh, the shoulder inflammation with him came out of nowhere too in the spring, but if all things point to him being healthy, he should have a he should have a better year. Um, baseball Reference is projecting him to be have a ERA of just over four at 4.12. So you know, I personally believe he can be a lot better than that especially if uh, he doesn't have any injuries. And again, if, if the guy decides to pitch well, you know, if he has a good year again, um, who says that the Jays don't revisit a possible trade next offseason? Because again, this the next year they won't, or sorry, this year coming up, they won't be competitive. And 2020 is kind of like, I believe, the window that Ross Atkins said it could possibly begin more 2021. But uh, the Blue Jays were receiving offers for him. And it's not, it's no secret that they weren't. It's just that they weren't very happy with it. And you know, probably the biggest impact on why is because of his um, his health, his health, the question mark beside his health. So if, again, if Stroman shows promise in 2019 and he has a much better year injury-free, then obviously those those offers from other teams will decide to get bigger. And again, maybe it'll tempt the Blue Jays to possibly make a deal that could include, you know, a bunch of, you know, pa- a package that could, you know, a package of assets that could be anywhere on their um, anywhere in their farm system or what position they are or anything. So, um, again, it's the, the injuries pretty much, it's no secret. The injuries costed Stroman. He had to pretty much jump on a moving train, uh, when he start his inflammation went down and then the fingernail issue or the blister and then, uh, the DL again. So he was pretty much playing catch up the whole season. And that I think had a big impact on why he struggled, uh, last season. You mentioned his ballooning ERA at the start of the season. I, I looked it up. He made, uh, it looks like, five starts in April. 
and uh, his ERA after that first start was 7.20, um, and it ballooned to 8.88 by the end of April. Uh, and then he made two more starts in May before he was put on the disabled list. It was May 2nd and May 8th. May 2nd, um, his ERA actually went down more than a point to uh, 7.52, but then it went back up on May 8th when he uh, gave up five earned runs in five innings against the Mariners, and then that's what did it. They put him on the disabled list after that, and then the next time he pitched was June 23rd. So, yeah, it it kind of it got bad real quick, and it kind of snowballed um, in that in the beginnings of that season. So, uh, yeah, I think what you made was a great point, that the Blue Jays, they may get more trade interest in him once his health is clear that uh, he's fine that he's healthy um although i think for 2019 i don't i do have a few reservations but i'm not very worried at all because he was um pretty much as healthy as you can be for 2016 and 2017 and yes 2015 he did have injury issues um but that was a few years ago i i don't really have many reservations i think that he can do it. Um, I think that he'll be as competitive as ever. Uh, it's just, obviously, teams do have reservations and doubts about his uh, ability on the field in those years. Uh, but really, right now, I don't see a Stroman trade happening. Maybe next season, yeah, but that's a whole other uh, beast that I don't really want to tackle today. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And again, it's never say never. Uh, he's got a couple years left of team control with arbitration eligible, and he's a free agent in 2021. And again, just mentioning too about his 2018, pretty much everything you could have predicted for him went bad because his FIP as well was not the greatest, but it was well below five and it was at 391. So just below four. So again, it just proves the injuries he had and the bad luck. And I guess we can, you know, I doubt maybe, maybe some interest would happen in the summer, but it seems to be more of, you know, maybe next winter is when it's possible. But again, never say never. And I guess we should just hold on to the next trade uh, speculation until I guess we, you know, start to hear about it again. But yeah, it seems to be all quieting down. But I guess, again, never say never, like you said. Yeah, it's uh, to to remind our listeners about what FIP is. It's pretty much a theoretical estimation. That's not a word. Estimation of... Um, <laughs> in the same units of ERA uh, for what a pitch, how a pitcher would perform without chance, without luck, without varying circumstances on the field. So his FIP of 3.91 is very good. It's above major league average. Um, and comparing it to his FIP from 2017, which was uh, 3.9, it's, it's just a hair above that. So really last season, um, everything that could go wrong, go wrong for him. Um, but definitely that health is something that we need to see, um, get better, uh, in 2019, but that pretty much wraps up all our topics for today. Thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, hopefully we'll be back soon. If the Blue Jays do, uh, do some more trades and make some more news, uh, that we can talk about, but Thank you for listening, uh, and thank you to Everything Blue Jays, as always, for joining us. Hopefully next week or or next time we'll have uh, a few more people. Thanks for listening.